3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And this episode is <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more true crimey than paranormal. Because we're going to be telling you the story of Hotel Cecil in Los Angeles. And all the information that I could find on it was really just like seriously more true crime than anything. Okay, so, so I don't. This is the one where the lady was in like the water tank, right? Yes. Okay. And we're That's gonna why dig I chose into this one because I thought it was mm-hmm. that. And we're gonna we're gonna dig into a little bit deeper because I I actually found a bunch of information about more on her and her disappearance and yeah I've seen like the documentary on like yeah. history TV. So it's it's a little spooky, but definitely more true crimey because a lot of like murders and suicides did happen at this hotel and you know what we're just we're gonna dig into it so we'll get started so nestled within the busy streets of downtown los angeles lies one of the most infamous buildings in horror lore the cecil hotel since opening its doors in 1927 the cecil hotel has been plagued with unfortunate and mysterious circumstances that have given it a perhaps unparalleled reputation for the macabre at least 16 different murders suicides and unexplained paranormal events have taken place at the hotel and it's even served as the temporary home of some of america's most notorious serial killers the cecil hotel was built in 1924 by hotelier william banks hanner it was supposed to be a destination hotel for international businessmen and social elites Hanner spent $1 million on the 600-room Beau Arts-style hotel, complete with a marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees, and an opulent staircase. That's about $17.5 million today. But Hanner would come to regret his investment. Just two years after the Cecil Hotel opened, the world was thrown into the Great Depression, and Los Angeles was not immune to the economic collapse. Soon enough, the area surrounding the Cecil Hotel would be dubbed Skid Row and become home to thousands of homeless people. The once beautiful hotel soon gained a reputation as a meeting place for junkies, runaways, and criminals. Worse yet, the Cecil Hotel ultimately earned a reputation for violence and death. We're starting off strong with this one here. (laughs) Just two years after opening, straight (laughs) off the bat. So, okay, so now we're going to hop into the suicides and homicides that took place at this hotel, which is beautiful, by the way. I mean, still, like, they did not change much of the outside of it. Um, It was mainly, I think, the inside when they started reconstructing it. But a lot of the outside is still kept that, like, 1920th, like, scene. Like, the vibe. Right. (laughs) And it actually, I think it's, it's, it stands out more than anything where it's at in Los Angeles because it's not modern so yeah understandable right (laughs) all right suicides and homicides in the 1930s alone the Cecil Hotel was home to at least six reported suicides 
A few residents ingested poison, while others shot themselves, slit their own throats, or jumped out their bedroom windows. Probably should have put a trigger warning up top. <laughs> In 1934... I think true crime. Yeah. That is, like, if you, you kind of expect Yeah. That. In 1934, for example, Army Sergeant Louis D. Borden slashed his throat with a razor. Less than four years later, Roy Thompson of the Marine Corps jumped from atop the Cecil Hotel and was found in the skylight of a neighboring building. The next few decades only saw more violent deaths. In September 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell awoke in the middle of the night with stomach pains while she was staying at the Cecil with Ben Levine. She went to the bathroom at, so as not to disturb a sleeping Levine, and to her complete shock, gave birth to a baby boy. She had no idea she had been pregnant. This gets a little gruesome. Mistakenly thinking her newborn was dead, Purcell threw her live baby out the window and onto the roof of the building next door. At her trial, she was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity, and she was admitted to a hospital for psychiatric treatment. Well, this is ironic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would have preferred prison. Yeah. Especially in the... Well, this was 1960s. Oh, 1940s. It was still bad. It was still bad. Because it was bad into the 90s. Yeah. Because we just did the story. Yeah, we just talked about... We just got done recording the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum episode from last week. So... Okay. So... I mean, I don't know. I don't think... What was she going to do if it was alive? Probably the same thing. But, like... The way it reads, oh, he's dead, I'm going to throw him outside. If he's alive, I'll keep him. Why not just (laughs) call the police and say, my baby's dead? I just don't know how... If I was an investigator, I don't know how I would have gone about this situation. Because, okay, like... She didn't know she was pregnant, right? So we don't know also if she even wanted a baby. And probably adoption wasn't really a big option back then. And if she assumed because she didn't know she was pregnant. So how could she tell whether or not the baby was healthy? One, because she hadn't been taking proper care of it. So she probably hadn't, you know, gained the weight. The baby was probably underweight. It probably... It probably would have died anyways. That's not the point. But I don't know. I just <clears throat> thought process. I don't think she, she. I don't think she was insane necessarily. I think she kind of just freaked out. I think so too. Like just shock. Like I. I don't think what she do should do have. It? Yeah, I don't think she should have. I don't think she was insane. I really don't <laughs> believe that at all. I think she just freaked the fuck out and was like, "Oh God, what do I do?" This bitch empty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Not funny. It's not. It's really not funny. It's it's really it's a really sad situation. But I personally, when I read that the first time, I was like, I don't think that went the way it should have went. So <laughs> I don't know. In 1962, 65 year old George Giannini was walking by the Cecil with his hands in his pockets. When he was struck to death by a falling woman, Pauline Otten, 27, 
jumped from her ninth floor window after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Her fall killed both her and Giannini instantly. Two for one? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Kill two birds with one stone? Oh, gosh. Police initially thought the two had committed suicide together, but reconsidered when they found Giannini was still wearing shoes. If he had jumped, his shoes would have fallen off mid-flight. But was Pauline even wearing shoes? Because what if she was in a nightgown? You know, what if she wasn't wearing shoes? How would they even was know that? Was there literally no other bystanders? And could the husband not say, hey, yeah, I have no clue who that dude is. He wasn't in my room. I know. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, in the light, uh, in light of the suicides, mishaps, and murders, Angelinos probably dubbed the Cecil the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles. That's why I, I really wanted to do this story because one, it's yes, it's true, it's true crimey, but the true crime aspects of this story and of this hotel really become questionable. Of like, I just don't know what happened. You know what I mean? It's like. It's kind of like when you stay somewhere and it makes everyone go crazy. Right. I don't... I can... It's like I can understand how and why it's haunted, but it's like a lot of these situations I feel like could have been prevented. Yeah, like... (laughs) Why did so many people kill themselves there? Right. Like, they have their own homes. They, They have other buildings. Why is it all at this hotel? I know. It makes you wonder if it was haunted <laughs> when they built like it. Cursed, bad ground. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of these situations could have been handled a lot differently. Yeah. So, but now we're going to talk about serial killers who stayed at the hotel. While tragic calamities and suicide have contributed heavily to the hotel's body count. The Cecil Hotel has also served as a temporary home for some of the grisliest murderers in American history. In the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, murderer of 13 people and better known as the Night Stalker, lived in a room on the top floor of the hotel during much of his horrific killing spree. After killing someone, he would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil Hotel's dumpster and saunter in the hotel lobby either completely naked or only in underwear. None of which would have raised an eyebrow, writes journalist Josh Dean, since the Cecil Hotel in the 1980s was total unmitigated chaos. At the time, Ramirez was able to stay there for a mere $14 a night, and with corpses of junkies reportedly often found in the alleys near the hotel, and sometimes even in the hallways, Ramirez's blood-soaked lifestyle surely raised nary an eyebrow at the Cecil Hotel. In 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Untenweger, who strangled prostitutes with their own bras, also called the hotel home. Rumor has it that he chose the hotel because because of its connection to Ramirez. Because the area around the Cecil Hotel was popular with prostitutes, Unterweger stalked these environs time and again in search of victims. One prostitute he is believed to have killed vanished right down the street from the hotel while Unterweger even claimed to have dated the hotel's receptionist. So, he's... Bad vibes. Yeah. Alright, so now we're going to get into some of the cold cases 
at the hotel. While some episodes of violence in and around the Cecil Hotel are attributable to known serial killers, some murders have remained unsolved. To pick one of many, a local woman known around the area named Goldie Osgood was found dead in her ransacked room at the Cecil. She had been raped before suffering a fatal stabbing and beating, though one suspect was found walking with bloodstained clothes with bloodstained clothing nearby, he was later cleared and her killer was never convicted. Another instance of disturbing violence at the Cecil that has gone unresolved. Another grimly noteworthy guest of the hotel was Elizabeth Short, who became known as the Black Dahlia after her 1947 murder in Los Angeles. She reportedly stayed at the hotel just before her mutilation, which remains unsolved. What connection her death may have had to the Cecil Hotel is not known, but what is known is that she was found on a street not far away on the morning of January 15th with her mouth carved ear to ear and her body cut in two. Oh, God. I do not like that. Such stories of violence are not simply a thing of the past. Decades after Short, one of the most mysterious deaths ever to take place at the Cecil Hotel happened as recently as 2013 and that's what we're going to get into and so before and this is why i wanted to say true crime i know we do not normally do that on this podcast but this story has so many elements to it that i wanted to put it in here um and i'm not entirely sure that we really get into any hauntings because there really wasn't a lot i there wasn't a lot that I could find. Let's just say that. Because I looked, like, typed in Hotel Cecil Haunted. And it just came up with people that died there. It, it wasn't like, oh, people have seen this happen and people have seen this happen. Or they have seen this ghost or they have seen that ghost. It, it was literally like, yeah, no, people just died here. So I didn't want to not do the story. So, I, you know, I hope it's okay with you all that, you know, we do one true crime story. Maybe, maybe every now and then. I just didn't realize that it was not going to be that paranormal. So, but anyways, we're going to get into um, Elisa Lamb, the girl that disappeared. On February 19th, 2013, the body of Chinese-Canadian tourist Elisa Lamb was recovered from a large cistern atop the Stay on Main Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, where she had been a guest. She was last seen alive on January 31st and was reported missing by her parents on February 1st. Her body was discovered by a hotel maintenance worker investigating complaints of flooding and low water pressure. On February 13th, after another week with no sign of lamb, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taken in one of Hotel Cecil's elevators by a video surveillance camera on January 31st. In approximately two and a half minutes of footage, Lamb alone makes unusual moves and gestures, leaving the elevator at one point while its doors remain open, even after she appears to have pressed every button. When the doors fail to close after she returns, she leaves. The doors close later. So... I watched this video because I wanted to see what they meant by unusual moves and gestures. So, okay. So, it starts off the door. The elevator doors are closed. They open. She walks in. I'm going to try and explain it, but you can go and look it up literally anywhere. But, okay. So, she walks in the elevator. She goes to the corner of the elevator. 
she presses a button the doors do not close like literally they do not shut at all so she sits there and she tries to press a couple more buttons and then she stands up against the corner and then when the doors still don't close she moves like she walks in front of the doors and then she peeks out the door and then she walks back in and then she comes back and she gets in the corner and people have said it's like they don't know if she was trying to run from somebody or hide from somebody so she was hoping that you know getting on the elevator would help her in that situation but she also like she when she walks back walks out of the elevator and she walks back in she walks into the corner she presses a few more buttons nothing happens the doors do not close in this whole two and a half minute video i do not know why because she's sitting there pressing buttons so she keeps just walking in and out and in and out and she literally she walks her entire body out of the elevator at one point looks left walks to the left walks out of like camera view for a minute comes back and then she's like she walks back backwards into the elevator so like walks back into the elevator she just it's the way that she's moving is not like normal like paranoid yes almost like she's paranoid and there is a reason for that that they think is why she was like that um they think she she had she suffered from bipolar so they thought she was having an episode but it it, it is really strange the elevator doors the elevator doors not closing is what really got me because i'm like well she hit like six fucking buttons like why isn't it shutting so i don't know there's even a shut the elevator button right <laughs> so i don't know what happened but even if you don't hit you know say you hit like floor three right and you don't hit you don't have to hit the shut oh, the yeah. elevator button you just needs you know it needs a second but like i always hit the shut the elevator button don't i always let anyone in here I know. <laughs> so i mean it's just when they say you know unusual moves and gestures it's it's really not normal and when you find out that she did suffer from bipolar and then they 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 end up saying like um she's gonna read more but they end up saying like that's probably why i don't know honestly though so like if you watch the video unknowingly unbeknownst to the fact that she had bipolar you would really just think that she's weird she's just strange but then the bipolar information comes in and you're like okay that makes a little bit more sense but still like what the fuck you know so i don't know schizophrenia would make more sense than bipolar right but they only found bipolar I don't I don't know. That's why she was but it does seem her movements and gestures and everything that she's doing does come off as a little schizo. So I I don't know. But I also don't think she was treated for her bipolar or she was taking medicine for her bipolar because I think they also found a bottle of pills in her room that had not been taken. So she was probably experiencing an episode I don't know. You can watch the video for yourself and see what you think, but that's what I got from it. It, it. It's not... I mean, yeah, the girl's acting weird and stuff, but why isn't the elevator door shutting? You know? That's what got me, so... The video drew worldwide interest in the case due to Lamb's strange behavior and has been extensively analyzed and discussed. It was reposted widely, including on the Chinese video sharing site Yuku. 
where it got 3 million views and 40,000 comments on its first 10 days. Many of the commenters found it unsettling to watch. Several theories emerged to explain her actions. One was that Lamb was trying to get the elevator car to move in order to escape from someone who was pursuing her. Others suggested that she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug, but none was detected in her body. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory that she was having a psychotic episode also emerged. Other viewers argued that the video had been tampered with before being made public. Besides the obscuring of the timestamp, they claimed parts had been slowed down and nearly a minute of footage had been removed. This could have been done to protect the identity of someone who otherwise would be in the video, either related or not to the disappearance. And that's what makes this whole thing so freaking weird to me. Because one, if her disappearance was that serious, why did they tamper with the video? Why wouldn't they put out the video of anybody and try to identify them to see if they were you know see if they were a cause or related to her disappearance you know i don't know and i just it's just very weird anyways during the search for lamb guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure some later claimed their water was colored black and had an unusual taste on the morning of february 19th santiago lopez a hotel maintenance worker found lamb's body in one of four 1000 gallon tanks located on the roof providing water to guest rooms, a kitchen, and a coffee shop. Through the open hatch, he saw Lamb lying face up in the water. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove Lamb's body. On February 21st, the Los Angeles coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. Which I don't know why they just all went straight to, oh, she's bipolar, that's why she did this. Like, that's c- how it be. Come on. Like, ugh, that makes me mad. The full coroner's report released in June stated that Lamb's body had been found naked. Clothing similar to what she was wearing in the elevator video was floating in the water, coated with a sand-like particulate. Her watch and room key were also found with her. Okay, so if they found her naked, why didn't they try and do a rape kit? You know what I mean? I understand that she's in the water. It may have disappeared. Why not try? You know? Lamb's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. Well, it had been two weeks. It was mostly greenish, with some marbling evident on the abdomen and skin separation evident. There was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. So, I mean, I guess they they looked and was like, oh, it's not bruised or torn. I don't know. I still just don't think that bipolar was the cause of this. I don't know. Toxicology tests showed traces consistent with prescription medif- medication found among her belongings, plus non-prescription drugs such as Sinutab and ibuprofen, a very small quantity of alcohol, about 0.02%, was present, but no other recreational drugs. Investigators and experts have, however, noted that the concentration of her prescription drugs in her system indicated that she was under-medicating or had stopped taking her medications recently. I don't... There's just a lot to this that I don't like. <laughs> I don't That's know. why I picked this story. Yeah. <laughs> it's disturbing. And it doesn't... 
nothing adds up. Yeah. I just don't like it. <laughs> There's no answers here. The investigation had determined how Lamb died, but did not initially offer an explanation as to how she got into the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with only the staff having the passcodes and keys, and any attempt to force them would supposedly have triggered an alarm. The hotel's fire escape could have allowed her to bypass those security measures. Her scent trail was lost near a window that connected to it. A video posted to the internet after Lamb's death showed that the hotel's roof was easily accessible via the fire escape and that two of the lids of the water tanks were open. Apart from the question of how she got on the roof, others asked if she could have gotten into the tank by herself. All four tanks were 4 by 8 foot cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There was no fixed access to them, and hotel workers had to use a ladder to look into the water. They were protected by heavy lids that would be difficult to replace from within. The hotel employee who found the body said that the lid was open at the time, removing the issue of how she could have closed the lid from inside. Police dogs that searched through the hotel for Lamb, even on the roof, shortly after her disappearance was noted, did not find any trace of her. Proponents of the theory that the elevator video shows she was under the influence of illicit drugs are not dissuaded by their absence from the toxology screen, suggesting that they might have broken down during the period of time her body decomposed in the tank or that she might have taken rare cocktails of such drugs that a normal screen would not detect. The very low level of, of her prescription drugs in her system and the number of pills left in her prescription bottle suggested she was under-medicating or had recently stopped taking her medication for bipolar disorder, which might have led to a psychotic, a psychotic episode. In September 2013, Lamb's parents filed a wrongful death suit, claiming the hotel failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests, and seeking unspecified damages and burial costs. The hotel argued it could not have reasonably foreseen that Lamb might have entered the water tanks, and since it remained unknown how Lamb got to the water tank, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent it. In 2015, the suit was dismissed. I just don't like this. <laughs> at all. Literally, I don't. The last body was found at the Cecil Hotel in 2015. A man who reportedly committed suicide and ghost stories and rumors of the hotel's haunting swirled once more. The hotel even subsequently served as, a, as the chilling inspiration for a season of American Horror Story about a hotel that's home to unimaginable murder and mayhem. Is Lady that, Gaga. Oh, I was going to say, is that not the first episode? But, oh, the oh, hotel. No. The hotel was like okay. the fifth season. Yeah. Okay. But in 2011, Cecil attempted to shake off its macabre history by rebranding itself as the Stay on Main Hotel and, and Hostel, a $75 per night budget hotel for tourists. Several years later, New York City developers signed a 99-year lease and began gut renovating the building to include an upscale boutique hotel and hundreds of fully furnished micro units in keeping with the surging co-living craze. Perhaps with enough renovations, the Cecil Hotel can finally shake its reputation for all things bloody and eerie that has defined the ill-fated building for the better part of a century. And I think that's why there is not a lot of information on the ghost and stuff. Because I think they were embarrassed, I guess, 
at a certain point they were like we don't need anything else going on right and it 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 became i think it came became more about image versus like popularity like it, it, they wanted themselves to look good and not look like a hotel that had several murders and suicides and yeah. a girl who literally disappeared like i just don't think it in a hotel that had a lot of violence and then there's ghost haunting it because of that violence and it does have the reputation of richard ramirez and the other uh, serial killers so it's like i really think they were trying to hide what happened at a certain point and just become like oh no we're just you know the upscale 1920s like cecil hotel that we've always been and it's like yeah, but you can't really hide the fact that one, a girl disappeared and and was found on your property in the water contaminating it. Yeah. Which could have led to a fuck ton of lawsuits in it in and of itself. I'm surprised it didn't. Right. It was going to coffee shops, and the kitchen, people's rooms, and it could very well have and they could have just hit it. Oh, we'll pay you if you don't talk about it. Right. So, I- I really think that because this story became more true crime than anything is because they wanted to hide the fact that, you know, so much violence and death happened at their hotel. And they were like, "Mm, yeah, no, we're just going to pay you guys to shut up and take your articles offline and we're going to go about our day. And then the city of New York was like, um, okay, so now we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy this property, and we're gonna freaking gut it. And then... All the bad juju <laughs> Yeah. And so maybe then it will become better. If I was them, I would have just, by now at least, just embraced it. And be That's one what of I was hotels. like. Like, yes, we're haunted. Yes, we've had murders. We're quirky. Right. And it's like, it's it's not like it was that upscale. It, yeah. Like I mean, it tried really, to be, and then what, the depression hit? And yeah. It just, it just never came back. It's like, why didn't you just embrace the fact that, yes, okay, we tried. We did really good for the first two years we were open. The depression hit us hard. Then... We had murders happen. We had suicides happen. Okay, you're not the only hotel in history that somebody has jumped out of a window from. Or jumped off the roof from. Like, I don't know. You are the only one where someone died in the water tank. (laughs) Where someone disappeared. You have video evidence that they were doing something weird. You obviously tampered with that video evidence. So, we don't know even to this day foreboding coroners and medical examiners like you can pay those people off exactly we don't know for sure if she was murdered and you tampered with the video evidence so you took away any evidence of anybody else that could have possibly been involved my logical theory would be hotel staff because they have the keys they can get up there they can delete footage yeah they can do all of it Right. So, and, okay, so also, adding on to that theory, the rapes. What if she's a young girl? 
what if there was a staff member who was a creep and she was found naked okay yeah there was no evidence of physical assault or sexual assault so what if it was consensual say at the time say it didn't happen the day that she died per se so it was consensual and then she was leaving because she was supposed to leave on the 31st like she was supposed to go back home on the 31st on january 31st so she was leaving they didn't want her to leave she probably rejected them that kind of adds up yeah and honestly if if she did kill herself like the clothes off would be fine like i'm gonna take my clothes off and drown myself maybe it's really hard strange it's really hard to drown yourself though to do it on purpose yeah especially in like a water tank right where it's not full yeah i mean i don't i wouldn't assume that it would be full all the way to the top so it was like eight feet tall it probably had like seven feet of water right like she had to have i mean okay oxygen that theory got thrown out though because the lid was off so I find it, I don't know I've never you know drowned myself obviously like, it's really from what I have learned and heard about it it's really hard to do it on purpose yeah like you have to hold yourself under and like intentionally breathe in the water that's why you know people who go surfing and stuff and they drown it's or you you drown in the ocean it's normally not your fault it's yeah. the current or the undertow or whatever doing it on purpose is you got to really be committed And I just don't think that that was the situation here. I don't know. You are more than welcome to tell us what you guys think because, you know. give us all your opinions. Because this is a good one for, like, getting opinions. Yeah. Like, what do you think happened? What are your theories? Because ours might be completely, like, off the wall. Yeah, I remembered when this happened and they were, like, I had seen it on TV and all, watching, like, the little documentary they made about it. And I was, like. She was definitely murdered. Yeah. No one just walks into a water tank. (laughs) And that also leads to a a theory of what if it was a staff member? What if it was a manager and the hotel was like, here's some money. Keep your mouth shut. We're going to fire them, but we're not going to say anything. Like, just we don't want them to know that we had a staff member like that. You know what I mean? We already have a bad reputation. (laughs) Exactly. So, I don't know. You guys tell us what you think. Let's go. Let me tell you what the resources for this story were. It's all that interesting. All that's interesting dot com, town and country mag dot com, and Cecil Hotel uh, Wikipedia. Sorry. Always Wikipedia. Always Wikipedia. So Gotta give credit where it's due. Yep. And Wikipedia, I mostly got um, the Elisa Lamb information from. So, but yeah, you guys are more than welcome. To tell us what you think, info at 3amtalesofterror.com. You know how to contact us, so... Comment on our Facebook post. Mm-hmm. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. Oops. I have a problem with hitting the mic lately. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys just, you know, let us know your theories. And let us know, you know, if it's okay that we tell a true crime-esque story every now and then. I mean, it it's might happen. It's like a good food for thought episode. Yeah. This one isn't really scary or, like, haunted, but it makes you think. Yeah. And kind of worried that, you know, (laughs) 
kind of worried about hotels. <laughs> I mean, everything from, you know, the suicides to the lady who threw her live baby off the roof or and then Elisa Lamb. It's like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be something. There's there's something missing in like all of these stories. Yeah, something had to like no normal building has all these things happen. No, just like one or two, you know, right? But not the amount that has happened at the Cecil Hotel. Exactly. So. And w- why hide it? Why why hide it? What well, happened? We're going to find out, Cecil Hotel. You better watch yeah. out. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to figure it out. Stay on Main Hotel. We got you. We're watching you. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next All time. Right, thanks, y'all. Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at 3AM Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there as well as our website, 3, the number 3, 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates as well. If you have any questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. That's a three and not the word. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There, you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And And we hope hope you are terrified. terrified.